Good morning, sports fans. Fill up that coffee cup and that bowl. Sit back and relax. Because live from Colorado, it's time for the Sports Offensive. But want to thank everybody for tuning in. We do have a great show for you. We've got a couple of interviews. This is, I think, our fourth pandemic show uh, since the pandemic started. And so, obviously, there haven't been uh, a full slate of sports uh, activities to talk about. But uh, it has been a rather eventful last two weeks, especially this past week. Uh, we've had baseball back. We've got hockey back. We've got basketball back joining uh, golf and NASCAR, which were already going. So it's been a very exciting week for those of us uh, who depend on sports for entertainment after work and uh, haven't had much to do. Uh, I, Nate, I assume you've seen quite a few uh, baseball games in this first week? Well, unfortunately, Mark, I've been working too much, so I haven't seen a lot of sports. I did see opening night and the next day uh, watch some baseball. So, it's been been great to be able to watch some sports on TV, and uh, it's kind of disappointing what might be going on in MLB. I'm sure we'll get to that. So. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, looks like we've got somebody else that logged on. Is that you, JP? Yeah, guys, I am. Uh, I'm on a speakerphone hey. with you right now. I, I have no idea what's going on. Ever, I just troubleshoot at the whole computer, and it's all on a USB Kodak uh, audio. I've got everything running smoothly. My um, on the uh, on the computer screen, all the levels look fine. I can hear you guys perfectly over my sound mixer, and uh, for some reason, you guys just can't see me. I don't know uh, why that oh. is. So uh, a little embarrassing. I haven't had this equipment running in um, quite a couple months now. So, but I, I troubleshot it the last two days, and everything seemed to be working fine. I I have to I have to switch board up right in front of us. Um, I can see all three of your numbers, and uh, I can see our countdown and everything else. So uh, right now we're just uh, we're kind of on the phones, which we're still practicing our social distancing like always. Um, you know, I'm all the way down here in the tech center. Nick's over uh, off of Santa Fe here in Denver, and Mark, you're all the way up in Broomfield. I want to thank you guys for coming on the show. We do have an exciting show with sports coming back um, and two exciting guests coming on the show. We have legendary groundskeeper Billy Butler coming on the show, and uh, owner of uh, Brothers Barbecue and Nuts Ice Cream, Nico Sullivan. He's been doing some great work in the community since the pandemic did start. So I do apologize for the microphone little mishap here at the start. It's kind of it's funny because I'm looking at the mixer and all my sound levels are good. I got the computer screen up in the small screen here on our, on our, on our, our blog talk page, and everything's coming through like there's no tomorrow there. So it's a little baffling at the moment and a little embarrassing. I'd say check and make sure that Gizmo didn't step on one of the switches, but then again, he's only up here, so. But yeah, uh, he's definitely say, yeah, taking the liking to stepping on my mixer. Is, uh, is up there, so I don't know. I don't like. I said I have I haven't I haven't used this in quite some time. Um, it's been sitting. The pit's been uh, set up in my apartment and um, been sitting here. And like I said, I troubleshot everything, and everything just looks good to go. And I, I mean, I don't I don't quite get what's going on at the moment. So, but you know. We are in a pandemic. We haven't been on since uh, our last show was uh, Memorial Day weekend. So it's been it's been quite a couple of weeks since we have been on. So, you know, I guess uh, maybe I should have just let you host the show this morning from up there. 
We haven't done a show since Memorial Day weekend. That was the last show we did. We both made proclamations. I'm going to pull the mic out of my face here because, well, actually, I should almost I, I should almost put my earphones back in because I can hear you better. But because um, uh, you guys, you guys are coming through my mixer just fine, which is the funny part that you can't hear me. Um, and I don't think there's anything muted on my board anywhere. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things where uh, we really haven't been on in that long of a time. So just I mean the fact that that much time went by and I haven't even hardly noticed it. Just like Nate talking about you know working a lot. I've got the same issue going on. It's just been nonstop. My company is. I mean, I know a lot of, you know, places out there, unfortunately, you know, people are getting laid off and, and hours are being cut. Boy, that is not the case where I am at. Uh, our division of our company is just exploding with business. And, I mean, I'm working 10-hour days, um, which is wonderful. I am not complaining. I am much rather have too much work right now than to not have any work at all. Again, we know how many people are going through that. So hopefully if you are sitting at home and you don't have a whole lot to do, you can listen to us for a little bit here today and uh, get entertained. We're going to run over the pandemic and its impact on the sporting world as we have on our previous shows during the pandemic. Uh, we're going to be covering the MLB, NFL, NHL, and NBA. Again, as Nate or uh, as JP said, we've got two wonderful interview guests coming up for you. And uh, we're really going to kind of uh, – one big question we all have is how long – and will these sports make it to the end of their respective season? So we've got a lot to talk about. And, JP, before we jump into your sports uh, offensive trivia question, I have one, and this is not one that we have to wait until the middle of the show to answer. We can go, you guys can go ahead and try and answer it right now. But yesterday, or I'm sorry, Thursday, I was, uh, I was looking at some players, uh, previous winners of the, of the MVP. And the reason I was looking was I wanted to see how many times uh, Mike Trout had finished first or second in MVP voting to think of how much they've wasted, like almost the first decade of his career. But I don't think they've made the playoffs since they've gotten Mike Trout. I'm talking about the Angels, of course. And uh, nope. somehow I ended up taking a look at Cy Young Award winners. And, you know, as, as things begin to happen, you begin to, like, you know, do the Google scroll through the world. Um, I ended up getting onto Cy Young, the actual pitcher, uh, and his staff. And something caught me by surprise. So I just want to ask you guys, if you can give me your best guess, what is the most strikeouts Cy Young, the great pitcher that the award is named after, has, what is the most strikeouts he threw in a single season? Mm. Well, I, I'll answer first. I know, there, you know, I know there's guys that have big seasons, and they usually go for around 350. Uh, at least that's these days. And, I mean, Cy Young is the all-time strikeout leader at over 5,000. But I also know that the pitchers pitched almost every day back then. So I think it's going to be about half that amount. I'll go with 200 in a season. And JP? Gosh, you know, I'd have to go right about the same one. Um, can you guys hear me now, I checked. I hear an echo yeah. in my actual earphones. I hear you. Let, let me just put my phone on mute just in case. Because I actually do. I hear an echo here. Hmm. Uh, hold on. Well, so Nate, I'm, I'm not sure who you're thinking of with the 5,000 strikeouts. It's not Cy Young. He doesn't have nearly that many. Um, 
I mean, I'm guessing Nolan Ryan probably is what is number one, right? And I'm, then maybe I'm Walter sorry, Johnson not number stri- two. I'm sorry, Mark. Not not strikeouts. I meant 500 wins. Ah, yes, yes, 511 yes. wins. And what's even crazier uh, is that he has 315 losses, which is like yeah. imagine that this guy has more <laughs> losses than most people pitch in their career. Yeah, get even, more, even get more that many starts. Right, yeah, right. Pitchers so, these days I mean, don't even get that many starts. Yeah, I think I'd say the average is probably between 29 and 32 starts in a season for a major leaguer that doesn't miss any time on the injured list. Um, I would agree. And then, these, and then when they changed the uh, IL rule, which used to be the DL in baseball, which is the injury list, once they changed that to a, a shorter time period, because it used to be, I believe, uh, 14 days, wasn't it? It was two full weeks. And now it's just 10 days. And the difference being that a 10-day thing, uh, that way you have a pitcher can just miss one start and then be right back in there if you put them on the IL ret- uh, retroactively to the day they pitch. And teams like the Dodgers, who have a, a, a plethora of starting pitchers, do that strategically so that they can just have a guy stay home, bring up a reliever, and then uh, put the guy on the IL, bring up a reliever from the minors, and have him help give a little bit of a break to the rest of the bullpen, and then bring that starter back uh, the very next, you know, after skipping one start. So, um, so anyway, I, I haven't heard JP for a while. JP, are you still there? I think we might have lost him. Well, I think he muted his phone, and it's still not working through the through the mixer. So anyway, like I said, yeah. this wasn't a big trivia question. So the answer actually is 2,803 strikeouts for his career, and Nate, the most he had in one season, 210. Very close. Great wow. guess. Uh, his second highest season was 200 on the nose, and then everything else after that was under 200. And it, it did kind of shock me because I thought, you know, greatest pitcher – well, I, mean, I don't know if he's the greatest pitcher ever, but, you know, the most wins ever and the then in the award after him, I thought he'd had at least two or three 300 to 350 strikeout seasons. But uh, obviously that is not uh, not his MO. So. <laughs> anyway, well, guys, great answer. I've great got, job. I've got you Thank back you. on speakerphone here. Uh, just uh, uh-huh. I, I tried a couple different things again on that with the microphone. Everything says it's coming through just fine, which is the strange part about it. Hmm. Well, so, but, uh, whatever, I'll just stay on the phone then because it's obviously not going to come through on the mixer. Like so. was there. What's that? I was, uh, Nate, I was on about the same guest that you were. Yes. Yeah, we were right on. We were real close. Yeah, so 210. 210 is the, uh, is the answer. So, anyway, just a fun little question I had just because I happened to be looking it up uh, the other day. So, uh, JP, you want to go ahead and move on to your question? Yeah, you know, I've got actually two questions. I've got a secret question um, for you all. The first question is uh, going to be, how many days was it from the post or the uh, suspension of the NBA and NHL? They shut down on the same night until um, the MLB first pitch. So that's the first trivia question. Now, the second sure. trivia question is, um, who has the most opening which, – which pitcher has the most opening day start? And I'll give you a hint. He leads by two games over, um, the, other, uh, over the next person in line. Hmm. Hmm. 
Okay. I, I have a real good guess for the first question. The second one's a little trickier. That's uh, it's not just about great pitches. It's about opening day. And I don't, you know, like some, some teams and some pitchers consider opening day to be theirs if they're the best pitcher. But, you know, a lot of teams, it's like it just kind of depends on how the spring training schedule ended that, to who they actually have starting that first game. I mean, the Dodgers didn't have Kershaw or Bueller pitching until game five of the season. So um, Kershaw, course, was Kershaw was scheduled to, to open, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was until the back uh, injury cropped up already. So it's funny because I I would have guessed him had he pitched this Step year one, because I think one. I feel like he's pitched a lot of opening days. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, he's 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 had quite a few. I mean, I, well, I have I have ideas popping in my head. But I guess we'll we'll save that until we get to the halfway point. So. Yeah. Um, JP, did we want to go into some topics, or did we want to start an interview? I think one of your one of the interviewees is on the line. Yeah, we actually got Bill Butler actually on the line right now. Let me uh, just get my 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 second computer here situated real fast, and um, let's get Bill Butler on the line here. Hello, Bill Butler. Hello. Welcome to the show. Hey, JP. How are you, buddy? I am good. You're on with me, myself, and you're on with uh, Mark Ademus, Mark Foray, and Nate Home. We're uh, just getting into a little baseball talk here right off the bat. Obviously, we had some um, positive tests uh, and some canceled games in our 60-game sprint of a season right off the bat. But I want to welcome you finally onto the show. Thank you very much. Hey, can I take a stab at your two trivia questions? You know what? By all Absolutely. means, I'd love to hear it. 143 days? Close. Okay. And I'm going to go with uh, – are you talking active starting pitchers? Nope, nope. Uh, all time. Oh, all time. Uh, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll let that one go then because I, I thought you were talking active. Um, so, anyway, I, uh, pleasure to be on the show. Thank you very much. Hey, no problem. Well, yeah, thank you. Know, I'm – you were a former uh, – we, we worked together back with the Iron Picks, and you have a vast history as being a groundskeeper in baseball. Why don't you go into that uh, for us a little bit? Well, I I, um, I had the privilege of being a head groundskeeper in major minor league baseball for 24 years. Um, I got to build three stadiums from the ground up. I did the, uh, the field end of them. Uh, I did Myrtle Beach for the Braves. I did Lakewood for the Phillies and Lehigh Valley for the Phillies. Um, was able to win five minor league field of the year awards. Was head groundskeeper at Shea for a couple of years. Uh, was the assistant head groundskeeper at Kansas City when they first switched to natural grass. Um, worked for Yankees, Mets, Phillies, Braves, Royals um, over my career. Um I loved it. Just got a little burnt out on the hours. So now I'm back home in Boston. I'm running a, a sports company out here and doing doing pretty well. Yeah, no, I saw that. Uh, we're friends on Facebook now for for a lot of years now since the Iron Pigs. Yeah. And I saw some of uh, you're you're putting in some fields and stuff like that. You want to give uh, yeah, a little sure. bit of uh, what you're doing right now and the company? Yeah, I, I work for a company called Turf Prep right now. We um, we were originally, he was just a synthetic field company, but my background was in a little natural grass too, but uh, we, we handle all of New England. We, we 
have the whole city of Boston under contract, all their fields, um, a lot of a lot of private academies and colleges throughout New England, and we you know maintain do do maintenance and repairs, and we install synthetic fields, painting, you know, kind of run the gamut. Um, still really involved with doing sports fields. It's what I love, and uh, company's doing really well. It's a great ownership group. I'm, I'm uh, really happy. So, Bill, you are the guru, basically, of um, mowing designs into fields. How did that ever come yep. about, and um, how do you do? How do you really come up with the schematics to do that? Because I watched from uh, the roof one day at Coca-Cola Park, and it's quite an undertaking. It's it's a lot of work. I'll tell you what. I wish the I wish we had drones back when I was doing it, because uh, it's a lot. <laughs> of, you know, it's a the way I do it is I lay it all out on paper, whatever design I'm doing, and it's a lot of math and geometry, and we got to lay everything out. Back when I was doing it, you know, you'd mow a little bit, and then you'd have to run up to the roof of the stadium to look at it because you'd have to be high enough up to, to kind of see it, to see how it looked. So all those uh, all those years of um, cutting a little and running up to the roof and coming back down, led me to a knee replacement or two already. So um, I wish we had the drones, but, um, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot of math. Um, uh, Dave Miller with the Red Sox is the other guy who's kind of really known for it. And um, in 04, we both, he did the, he had the, um, with the world series, he had the Red Sox emblem on in the infield, which I really love. Um, and I, um, the next year did the, uh, the, yet. um, the New York skyline for opening day at Shea. Um, and I had done a lot of like patterns in the minor leagues before I got to Shea. And then um, when I got there, did a few, the, the skyline's probably the most well-known. Um, the Lehigh Valley, I really got to do a lot of different stuff that I really enjoyed. Uh, some stuff that I think was a lot tougher than the skyline, but um, you know, and then I've helped, design a couple of all-star game uh, logos and, and things like that. So um, it's, it's something that, you know, it's nice to be known for and to, and to do. And um, every now and then I still do one. A couple, two years ago, uh, I think it was two years ago, uh, maybe three, but uh, I did the double-A all-star game up here in New Hampshire. I did the design for them. And now and then guys still call me and ask for advice on that stuff. So it's kind of nice. Well, you're yeah, sitting here you designing uh, well, uh, fields, and I can't even draw stick figures. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> you know, the funny, the, fun, the funny part is if you gave me, like, a and, – and same with – I could paint the most intricate logos. Like, I do some pretty intensive uh, logos on fields for whether it be all-star games or stadiums or football. But if you gave me a paintbrush and a, and a thing, I, I'd be lucky to come out with a stick figure myself. But for some reason, I can I can paint logos and come up with all these designs like it's nobody's business. But if you gave me a if you gave me a, a, a canvas and a brush, I'd be horrible. That's funny, Billy. <laughs> this is Nate. Uh, I'm a chef by trade, and I, I kind of have the same I, thing. I can make food make food look really pretty, but I can't draw a stick figure for the life of me either. <laughs> uh. So if you, uh, so, if you go to Bill Butler's uh, Facebook page, and then, Bill, if it's, correct me if, if there's another place they can see some of your designs, uh, let them know. But uh, his designs are really – as he talked about the Shea 
um, Skyline and New York design. That's uh, that, that's an absolutely an amazing design for Shea, that he did at Chase Stadium. If you get a chance to actually go on his Facebook page or Phil, there's another spot they can see some of them. You know, you should really check it out because he's really done some incredible work with just uh, all the designs that he's done. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it's something that adds a little something extra to the, uh, to the field. People really seem to like it. Uh, a lot of the places I was at, once I started doing it, people were always like, oh, what are you going to do next? And people would come up with, you know, suggestions. And I, you know, I always listen to different people and see what they, you know, see what they'd like. In fact, I think one of the stadiums I was at, they did a contest. Um, and I ended up cutting a fan design. I, I can't remember if it was Lehigh or not, but, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, you know, it, it, it draws a little extra attention to the field and the people like it. It's, you know, it's a lot of extra work because, you know, laying some of those designs out sometimes would take, well, the hardest one I ever did was when I caught Coca-Cola park and script into the field at uh, Lehigh. And that actually took me, three days to get it right. And then after that, you know, it takes probably an extra four hours of bowling or so every day on top of your regular day to just, because it has to be perfect when you're on TV. It can't be like, Oh, I kind of see it or, you know, have it look three quarters. Everything has to be dead on. So. Definitely. Actually, I remember that field design that you did for that one guy was up in, uh, up in Breckenridge for that. And they actually, they had it on, uh, the minor league game on TV, and I actually got to watch it, and that was a great design. So, you know, I want to ask you the next question because you have a dubious okay. distinction of uh, being the only groundskeeper to get kicked down of a baseball game. Can you please give us the story behind that? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I'm known for a couple of things. So that, that's the one that, that gets brought up the most. Um, and, uh, yeah. I was down in Lakewood and it was one of these deals where, you know, we had had rain probably eight straight days and um, I got every game in. And the, the, the funniest thing about that night is the umpiring crew came to me before the game and said, um, well, a little, a little backstory. Nowadays when groundskeepers go out to give the groundskeeper is the one that's responsible for giving the umpires and the ownership and everybody, the weather report and what they think is going to happen because they need to know if you're going to, you know, cover the field or cancel or reschedule. So the groundskeeper is the one who's in charge of all that. And back at this time, um, there wasn't – nowadays anybody could go on the Internet and use a great weather radar source. <clears throat> back then we had to pay for um, a satellite that was on the roof of the stadium um, and I was the only one who had the radar in my office. So before the games, the umpires would usually come down to my office and, you know, discuss if we had any weather situation or whatever. And this particular crew who I had always got along with came down and, and said to me that um, they said, Bill, you've done an amazing job. We can't believe we've got all these games in, but we know the field's got to be getting saturated. So, if uh, if it gets to be too much tonight, just let us know. I said, okay, not a problem. And this was down in Lakewood, which is um, A-ball, which they play half seasons at some of the minor leagues. play. You know, they'll, they'll have a first-half champ, a second-half champ, and, you know, go that way. So there was about five games left in the first half. Both teams were way out of it. So the game had no 
meaning in the standings. And uh, we knew we were going to get rain once the game started. So we got the game started. About the second inning, it started raining. So me and my guys were going out every half inning, putting out some drying material. And um, the and I, every inning, I would also go out to the home plate, and I would give the umpire a weather update. And both managers grabbed me, and because uh, I'd also update the managers, they said, let the umpire know once we get the five innings, which is an official game, we don't care if there's no score. We don't want anybody getting hurt. Let's call it in five innings. And I told the umpire, and everybody agreed. And um, the the we ended up having a, somebody scored in, in the fourth, so we actually had an official, you know, it was an official score and everything. And um, come fifth inning, it's really raining hard, and uh, there's lightning in the area, and we we complete the inning, and this guy starts another inning. <laughs> And I'm like, what are you doing? And both dugouts are chirping at him. They're yelling. And and every time he looks over at me, I'm giving him the signal, like, come on, let's go, you know. And uh, he starts another inning. And, and uh, three batters in a row um, got hit because the pitcher couldn't grip the ball. The fourth, guy <laughs> hit the, hit, the fourth guy hits a weak dribbler to the mound. And the um, – the, uh, Pitcher throws the first, and the ball goes in the stands. I mean, just, it, you know, it's getting dangerous. And I had sent somebody up to my office to print out a copy of the radar. So after the, after the guy throws the ball in the stands, the first base umpire calls time and goes down the line to have a meeting with the home plate umpire. So I run out with the copy of the radar, and the guy says to me, Bill, we don't want you out here right now. And I said, well, that's too bad. And, uh, he says, we don't watch out here right now. You know, this is just for us. I said, guys, somebody's going to get hurt. This is getting dangerous. He goes, we don't watch out here right now. And I might have used some language that I won't use on the radio, but um, <laughs> called him a hero, called him a hero, uh, uh, an adjective hero, and said, uh, you know, somebody's going to get hurt here. So that's when they that's when they tossed me. So then they came over to, to the first base dugout and told my crew to put material on the field. I told my guys, I said, if anybody goes on that field, you're fired. So nobody would go <laughs> off the field and put any drying agent on. <laughs> so then the guy's like, put the damn tarp on. And then they ended up, you know, they ended up canceling the game. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I got run for that. But got a lot of attention. That's a great time. story. Best damn sports show. I was on Baseball Tonight, and ESPN, the magazine, Sports Illustrated. It, it got a lot of runs. So. Um, <laughs> what know, year was that, was Billy? To, um, I want to say 2001 or 2002, somewhere in there. Okay, sure. Uh, you know what? You know what? It had to be. Um, it had to be 2000. I should know this. This was the 20-year anniversary because I just did. Uh, there's a story on minorleaguebaseball.com right now about it. They just did a story on it because it was the 20-year anniversary. Very nice. And to cool. give everybody a little bit of knowledge where Lakewood is, it's down at the Jersey Shore, not very far from the shore. Yep. Beautiful little stadium down there. I went actually down there my first year with the Iron Pigs. The kind of, they had a chef by the name of uh, Sandy and uh, went down there to look at his operation. And, uh, you know, great little uh, field, like, like, like Bill said. It's, it's, 
it's low class or a low, a low class single A. But yeah, Bill, that's yeah. A, that's one of the, that's a famous story right there and a great story. I really do enjoy it. Mark, you want to take the next question away here? I'm not sure where we left off. <laughs> you know, I, I'll tell you what. I'll jump right into it. You know, now Bill, we've seen the games getting canceled in the 60 game sprint here. Um, you know, yeah. how do you see the baseball season being played out? I know you're a huge baseball and hockey fan. Um, so how do you yeah. see this baseball season being played out? I'm really worried about it from a standpoint. And I'm not a, like one of these people who's super, you know, uh, paranoid of the virus or anything, but I'm right. more worried about them folding to some public, uh, you know, the, 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 the public pressure. I, you know, they had the thing with the Marlins this week. And after that, it seemed like it was under control. And I just read an article this morning where the commissioner of baseball said they could be canceled. They could cancel the whole season by Monday. I don't know if you guys saw that. That was online this morning. And, uh, you know, I think they've got to try and make every effort to to make this thing work. Um, You know, you went through the trouble to start it. Um, You know, they're probably going to have to go by winning percentage, I would think, because I don't think everybody's going to have the same amount of games. Um, I don't know where they're at right now with, I I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was St. Louis and somebody that they canceled the other night and they're waiting on some testing. You know, I really hope that they don't just, with one more team having an outbreak, cancel it. I hope they at least give it a, you know, a good run, um, you know, obviously I don't want to see anybody endangered or anything like that. But, um, you know, the statistics show, you know, guys in that age bracket, um, even if they get it, you know, the, the, the chances of anything uh, severe happening are, are pretty minimal. Um, so hopefully hopefully they, they're able to work their way through it and, and improve it. I think the biggest problem they have is with the uh, – the testing and getting the results back quick enough. I, I think that's where they're running into an issue. So. And Bill, I'll, I'll second you on that one. Cause I know the Phillies have two um, player person. I think they're actually not players, but personnel because they closed down citizens bank park in Philly on Thursday night. I know um, yeah. St. Louis showed up with two players and they were just up in Minnesota. So now Minnesota's being right. tested, I think every day. And, uh, of course, right. this, it was the Brewers that St. Louis played last night was canceled. And I, I was kind of, yeah. I, I, you know, I have a different uh, chime for my ESPN app, and I've been, you know, waiting to hear that chime go off about another game getting canceled today or maybe more than yeah. one getting canceled today. So, you know, it's, it comes back with the contract tracing and where these teams, you know, were. And, you know, I, I wonder, you know, the Marlins had three um, positive tests before they even came to Philly, you know, How'd the call right. even get made to come to Philly and so on and so forth? So, and you know, the yeah. Yankees, they can't the game with the Yankees and Phil that were supposed to be at yeah. the bank. And then I know the Red yeah. Sox and the Yankees played last night. Hopefully no one gets yeah. anything out of that. I know you think that you're out, the outcome wasn't in your favor because uh, you are a huge Red Sox fan. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I think the one sport that I have the most confidence in getting it done is, uh, is hockey. Yeah, that's. Uh, I agree. Uh, I worked my whole life in baseball, but hockey's my my favorite sport. I think where they are up in Canada, um, it seems like they're a little more stringent on things and not having the travel. I think the, I think the travel, 
and the players going home is going to be the biggest problem for baseball. I just think over over time, you know, I I, I don't. I don't have a lot of confidence that it's not going to come to a point that they will be able to finish as much as I'd like to see them finish. Um, I think hockey has the best chance. Um, I don't know how football is going to do it with, um, you know, with yeah, it's uh, tough. It's just, well, I mean, even besides the, the contact and everything, just the regulations that they're asking guys to go through to be able to pull it off. You know, with the the meetings, I just think they're going to have issues there. I, I don't know. I, I and I, it, you know, I feel really terrible for the for the the high school athletes. Um, you know, these kids are you know missing out last year on their senior se- seasons and this year possibly. And um, I know here in New Hampshire, we're gonna they're gonna try to play football and everything. Massachusetts is a joke. They're not gonna do anything. I don't even think they're going back to school. Um, and they have the lowest rate, lowest rates in the country, and, and they're not even going back to school. So, well, yeah, Mark, Mark, Nate, do you guys have any other final questions for Billy before I wrap up with him with a hockey, a little hockey question? Well, I don't oh, want this. I, I know it's coming. Billy, I, I don't. Oh. I didn't want this question to lead to a super long anecdote, but I was kind of curious about your uh, your coolest like connection with a famous player like what was the cool story that you have where you met somebody one of the players that was just super cool um you know what uh, probably my favorite story and, and over 24 as a groundskeeper you get to be very close with the players because every day sure. you have to ask them you know how was the field last night do you, you know do you want it harder do you want it softer do you want more water do you especially the infielders, you know, I get to be really close with, with those guys. And, um, and, uh, so I've, I've been fortunate enough to be close with a lot of, you know, players over the years, but, you know, probably my favorite story was, um, no more Garcia Parra was always one of my favorite players, uh, being from Boston. And, uh, cool. when I was with the Mets, first thing I did when I got that job was check to see if we'd play the Red Sox and we weren't, but in 2004, when he got traded to the Cubs, um, we finished the season with the Cubs. So I got to meet Nomar. And, um, you know, I went up the first day, and, and my, my brother wanted to bring his kids to a game, and they had never been to a game. They were young, you know, like uh, five, six, uh, eight years old, um, you know, the two of them. And um, so it was a big deal for not only them to get to go to their first game, but, you know, they wanted to meet Nomar. So they were going to drive down from Boston. So, um, opening, you know, the first day the Cubs were in, I, I went and introduced myself to Nomar and, and, uh, talked to him for a few minutes. I said, Hey, you know, my brother's coming down from Boston on Sunday with his kids. Any chance we could get a photo? And, uh, he says, yeah, no problem. And he was great about it. And then he comes back to me and says, well, I don't know if we're hitting on the field Sunday. He said, but we'll figure it out. I said, okay. And it was the Fox game of the week. And come Sunday, um, my niece and nephew were out on the fields, um, all of batting practice and everything else. We're waiting and we're waiting and they didn't hit, but usually they'll do a, they'll go out and stretch and throw before the game and no more hadn't come out, hadn't come out. And, uh, so we went up the tunnel and we're right outside the clubhouse. I said, well, we'll wait from here guys. And the anthem starts. 
And I don't know if he was doing an interview for Fox or whatever, but he still hadn't come out of the clubhouse when the anthem started. I'm like, oh, wow. wow. And he comes out, and he could have very easily and understandably been like, hey, I'm really sorry. I, you know, I got to get down to the field, whatever. He comes out. He sees us standing there. He stops, takes off his glove. He, uh, you know, he shakes my, my, my brother and his wife's hand. Um you know, shakes the kid's hands. He goes, I only got a second. He goes, uh, you guys, he says, would you, you know, can I sign a ball for you? And he signed a ball for both kids and stopped and took cool. the picture. And, and, um, you know, like I said, the anthem was being sung and he had to get down there. He's in the starting lineup. Um, but he still <laughs> took the time and, um, you know, it just speaks to the kind of guy that he was. And, you know, I know a lot of people who, uh, you know, sometimes they get to meet their favorite player or whatever and, you know, may not turn out the way they like. But, you know, this guy was just, you know, salt of the earth. And, and the fact that he still took the time under those restraints. Um, yeah, I've got a lot of great stories from over 24 years, but that's probably my favorite one. That's a great, great story, story, man. Very, very cool. And, yeah, and just to correct you, no Billy, more. it's no bar. <laughs> no bah. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. As a as a Dodger fan, I'm also a fan of Nomar. He went and played for the Dodgers for a number of years. And the thing that always amazed yeah, me was uh that was the only guy in the world I've ever seen that could that could wear out the Velcro in a pair of batting gloves every like two hours. So that was that was always an impressive talent. <laughs> didn't, he, didn't he do a little announcing for them as well? I think he did. I mean, I don't think he does now, but I think he did for a couple of seasons. I think he, I think he actually might have been he, in the Fox broadcasting booth. Yeah, he, I know he was a color analyst for a while, for a little bit, and I thought he did some Dodgers for a little bit. I could be wrong. Maybe it was just Fox, but yeah, yeah. No, but, I think you know, he did do just, a little bit of Dodgers. Now they've got Oral Hershiser, but I think they did have him for a good yeah. three or four years. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll tell you what. I hope the sports stay on just for everybody's peace of mind. You don't realize how much we miss it until all this happens. And uh, I had a pretty good routine of stuff that I would do between sports and my, I have a baseball card business and I, you know, would do shows every, every weekend and go and uh, not having that stuff, man, there's a lot of people who depend on routines in this world. And I'm one of them and losing all that stuff has been, has been tough. So now just getting it back. I hope we have it for a while. You know, I think that's a really important point that, that a lot of us didn't realize until now is that without the routine, you kind of lose perspective on time. And uh, a yeah. lot of us that have started working from home full time, it's been even a weirder thing because you don't really have a clock out time anymore. It's like everyone knows you're home all the time. And so then people are like, right. oh, you know, I know it's already, you know, because I, I work East Coast hours. And it's like, even though we're out here in the, in the you know, the, in, the, in the mountain time zone, and people send me at something at like 5 p.m. my time, which is like already yeah. almost two hours after I'm done working. And they're like, "Hey, can you do this real quick?" And it's like, I- "I'm not, I'm not working right now, you know." But <laughs> it doesn't matter because you know you're on yeah. salary and you're at home, so they're like, "Well, yeah, you can do it now." So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, Bill, uh, let's, let's say, Bill, uh, last question I'm going to have for you. Now, the last game of the uh, the NHL season, the Bruins and the Flyers played in Philly. It beat us 2 nothing to end yep. our 11-game winning streak. Tomorrow at yep. 3 o'clock Eastern, 1 o'clock Mountain, we pick up and the games count again. 
Uh, we have uh, both of us have our first top four seed uh, technical buys. Everybody has to play their yep. ways in. Uh, what is a yep. what's your uh, outlook for the NHL playoffs in our game tomorrow? Well, I, I know you guys had your little cute eleven game uh, win streak and all, and that was nice. But if you remember, the Bruins won the President's Trophy handily, handily, and uh, yes, we also yes. had one. I think uh, I want to say. 17 out of 19 before the before the end of the games, so we were we were on fire. Uh, we did play against Columbus two nights ago, and it was not pretty. Um, we looked a little rusty. Um, I'm hoping we have a better outcome against Philly on on uh, tomorrow afternoon. And uh, once we get going, I, I'm looking to raise another cup here in Boston. You know, Beantown's ready for. We have a lot of parades here. I don't know if you know that or not, but we have a lot of parades in the city of Boston and. You know, we're, we're going to have to do this one without a parade, but I'm going to have a big party for everybody at my house after we win. So, there you go, there you go. So yeah, I'm definitely looking. You're invited. Excited for all the hockey coming up here in uh, in the bubble. I think Toronto and Edmonton have, have done an absolutely great job uh, being up north yep. of the border. So, so yep. well, Bill, I want to thank you for coming on so much. Uh, you, you know, like I said, if you want to see his field designs on his Facebook page, he has pictures. They yep. are absolutely amazing to watch what, you know, to see the things that he has done. Um, Bill, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a great day. Thanks so much. Take care, Bill. You, you right. too, man. Take care. Right. Okay. All right. That was Bill Butler, legendary groundskeeper in Major League Baseball, and a huge sports fan, as you could tell, Boston fan with the Bruins and the Red Sox up there. So I want to thank him so much for being on the show. So, guys, let's get back into everything we've been talking about. Um, I'm going to switch my phone here off the uh, hockey page that I was just looking at and get my computer back up and running. Um, So let's get back into a little bit of baseball. And uh, real quick, just to go through a couple things um, that maybe we not have said, Um, you know, Mookie Betts got the big contract, um, as you could tell. Uh, I don't know if you guys can actually might be able to hear me come through right now on the microphone at all. Or I can hear you talking. Is that what you're asking? JP? Hello? 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 I think he's trying to switch over to the microphone, but it, it's still yeah, not working. Yeah, I, I, just, I, just, I, just, I just tried a different thing on the microphone again. Um, I yeah. tried to change the USB output again, and I I just took hooked up the or the uh, the RCA cables and went into the headphone or the, uh, the the microphone jack on my on my computer to see if I could get it rolling that way. But we'll just roll the phone. That's no big deal. Um, so I'm, guys, I'm I guess the, the Dodger deal with Mookie Betts is nice because at least they're not gonna they didn't just get a one season rental and then have it be a season that didn't even matter, which you know is going to be this year. Uh, but, uh, boy, I tell you what, that is a long contract. The last year of that contract is his age 39 season. And while a player can still be productive, I mean, you look at Albert Pujols, and he's still playing, but he's not how about, any kind of an intimidating how about Nelson in that Cruz? lineup. How about Nelson Cruz? Oh, well, Nelson Cruz is, is pretty impressive. That guy still hits for quite a bit of power, but that's also in the American League, so he's going to see a lot of curveballs. Um, how old That's is he? True. Uh, 40 or 41? I think. Well, that he might be 30. That's, yeah. He might be 39. But, I mean, dude, the guy keeps himself in impeccable shape. I mean, he is, you know, 
built like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be if 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 uh, Mookie can stay in that kind of shape, then that'll be awesome. But I, you know, just going by the numbers and by the averages, that's not real likely. But my guess is they probably front loaded that contract a little bit so that sure. if they want to cut him at some point, uh, you know, I mean, you have to pay the entire contract, of course. But it won't be, uh, you know, they won't be paying huge amounts, I hope, those last few seasons. Although I haven't looked that close at the contract. But, uh, you know, good move by them. I mean, the Dodgers won 106 games last year. They add uh, a, a, a couple of years ago MVP and one of the best uh, fielders uh, in, the, in the league. I mean, he just nailed, uh, what was his name, Kittle Marte on a throw from right field. Uh, was it yesterday or the day before? Um, yeah, so, yesterday. I mean, that was a great throw. So he's got all the all the all the all the things you want. He can hit, he can hit for power, he can steal, and he's a great fielder with a cannon for an arm. So uh, adding him to Cody Bellinger in the middle of that order, um, actually they had him leading off, I think, but uh, you know that just added a, a great bat to a to a lineup that was already scoring a ton of runs. So that's obviously not going to be a problem for him. His defense helps him. Um, you know the Dodgers the Dodgers are trying to get that World Series title. Everybody's trying to get a World Series title, of course, but, I mean, the Dodgers are really trying to end that drought. And, uh, you know, this gives them a decent shot, even though uh, even though they're pitching for the first time in a long time. Uh, they don't have enough starting pitchers. But we'll see what happens in this crazy season. I mean, we were just talking to Bill. <laughs> I, I just, I don't know, give you guys, what, what's your percentage thought of if Major League Baseball crowns a champion this year? Nate, I'll let you go I mean, first. This- <laughs> At this point, I I think it's zero percent. Honestly, I mean, the chances that they're going to finish the season right now, unless they like quickly change to a different sort of format, and I know the bubble sort of thing has been discussed, um, and that's what they're mm-hmm. doing with the NBA and, and, and the NHL, uh, which seems to be working really quite well for them. I know the season just started, but, uh, you know, they were down there ramping up for a couple of weeks and, uh, it seems like everybody, they've been managing it pretty well. So with baseball, I mean, it's just already starting to become a problem. You saw one team, the Marlins, you know, 20 guys go down, uh, you know, they may not play for a week if, if not longer. I mean, that messes things up huge. You know, if they're trying to complete well, I mean, they, the season. They've only and, got like three or They've got three or four games played. Everyone else is like at six or seven or eight now. Uh, it's going to yeah, be a it's big gonna problem be. because now you're going to be trying yeah, to decide by winning percentage and right. Yeah. Well, fortunately, the Marlins probably weren't anybody's preseason favorite. You know, so maybe that's just they play the rest of their games and they're so far out at the end that that doesn't matter. Well, you know, see, one team maybe that it's, it's actually it's actually by win percentage though. So they could end up playing, I mean, what happens if they only end up playing 41 games or 39 games and they just happen to do well enough that they're the second place sure. team in that division? I you mean, know, they go to the playoffs. Mark, it's possible, but, I mean, that team already, the way it's constructed, is a minor league team. You know, and <laughs> so for them to compete, they would have to be, I mean, they would have to just get hot. You know, I mean, I'm not saying it couldn't happen because in six, you know, on a 50 game, 60 game season, it could. But I think with the talent level that they were are putting out on the field every day compared to their opponents, it's going to be tough for them to get 
to that win percentage. But again, that's just one team. You know, now you're seeing the Cardinals come down with a couple cases. Uh, they won't say whether they're players or not, you know, but every time a team, you know, takes a hit like that, it's then so does the other team, and then so do the two teams that those two teams are going to play. So it's just this resounding, you know, four, you know, all of a sudden four teams can't play their games that day, the next day, and the day after. It's just, it just seems impossible to me for them to be able to finish at this point, but I guess we'll see. What do you think, JP? I think we lost him again. Messing with his microphone. Um, I got you right here. So I'm on the same lines with Nate. I I think there's – and Jeff Passan from ESPN um, has done an absolutely um, phenomenal job. He's one of their uh, Major League Baseball, along with Mendoza. Um, He he was on yesterday because I get up and I watch the early Golik – or Golik Sr. had his final ESPN radio show after 7,000-plus days. Uh, I'm doing ESPN radio uh, to go on uh, the the uh, the, ES, the other side of uh, non-radio, um, but uh, you know I, I catch all the mornings and Jeff Passan was on in the mornings um, at 6 a.m. Mountains, uh, 5 a.m. Mountain, and uh, he was on last night at uh, you know at 9 o'clock Mountain, which is 11 o'clock on the East Coast, uh, and he was on this morning again at uh, 6 a.m. because I was up getting ready for the show and actually ran down to the Walmart and over to King Supers uh, trying to find some disinfectant spray, which I'm running low on. I have plenty of Clorox wipes and hand sanitizer, but uh, low on, getting low on the spray to spray off my hats and my sandals after I'm done working. But uh, he was on again this morning. I mean, the guy's on working on basically no sleep right now, and he's doing a great job um, basically just keeping everyone informed. And like and like Billy said, Manfred really did say – or not the uh, Manford, he, he can, they're going to talk on Monday um, about, you know, what really needs to happen in baseball to keep it going. So, you know, it's one of those things where it, it's just going to depend, you know, if the Minnesota Twins who uh, play the Cardinals, and, and the Cardinals, it's two players, I believe, that did test positive. If uh, the Twins start testing positive, because they kept the Phillies uh, keeping um, testing right now uh, to see if anyone does contract it after the incubation period, so if the Twins start testing positive, now uh, who, the, the Twins just played uh, Nate. Yeah, Craig, who did they play last night? The um, Cardinals. Wasn't well, they, they've been play, they played the Cardinals in a three-game set after the Cardinals, and then they had right. two guys test positive. Yeah, but the Twins played somebody last night too, so I know they're keeping an eye on the Twins because they did play the Cardinals. And then if somebody on the Twins test positive, this is where the snowball epidemic comes where – now, that team, which uh, I'll pull it up real quick and figure, I can't remember who it was they played last night, but they did play. Uh, the Indians, um, maybe. That's right. It was the Indians. Um, yeah. You've got to look at that team now and uh, and look, start testing that team where you can just have a snowball effect. Billy was right. You know, this affects, you know, for people with the underlying health conditions, um, you know, this is going to affect them differently than people in the, the prime of their health. But there are the variables of, you know, everything that something that could go wrong. Um, but as contagious as this, you know, this is, you know, it, this could snowball out of control really fast, and we could be looking at the end of the baseball season. Well, I mean, you've got to be worried about managers and coaches because these guys are oftentimes in their late 60s, or early 70s, or even 80s. 
Um, we just saw Herman Cain die after 25 days in the hospital. You know, it's like if you're older, yeah. uh, even if you don't have pre-existing conditions, it, this thing causes a lot of problems. And, and while they're getting better and better at treating people and knowing uh, kind of how to attack uh, the complications of the virus, where it, be it steroids or whatnot, uh, to try and rein in uh, the overreaction of immune systems, that's not even the biggest reason that this is, in my opinion, and I agree with you guys, the chances of actually finishing this are, are, are slim to none at this point. And, you know, Buster only said that, you know, before it even started, he said there's no way we make it to the end because when you're not in the bubble, right, and NBA, I think, NBA has a real good chance, NHL, I think, has a chance, although I'm a little bit suspect with the fact that they're, like, quarantined to cities but not, like, into an area, whereas in basketball, they're just, like, on the resort and they can't leave the resort. So it's like as long as no one leaves the resort and no one comes into the resort, then there's a very small chance of getting the thing. But then, you know, you had that one player who left and went off, off site and went to the strip club or whatever, and that's what's going to happen in baseball. No matter how well you regulate this, people are going home at the end of the day, and either one of two things are going to happen. Either one, they have a spouse who thinks that this is overblown and not, such, or, and not really a big deal, and they're going to go out and about, and they're going to catch it, and even maybe asymptomatic, but they're going to spread it. Or when these kids go back to school, I mean, kids are not going to be not, not going to follow rules, right? Kids are not going to leave their masks on. They're not going to keep their hands washed. They're going to spread this stuff like wildfire, and they're going to come home, spread it to their parents, and then the dad's going to go off to play baseball. I mean, it's just I, I don't see how you. I mean, it's an epi, it's a, it's a it's a it's a pandemic for a reason. It's because it spreads so yeah. fast. It spreads I, so easy. You honestly, you almost have to quarantine the players, like you know, with the, like they're doing with the bubble because you can't like, I I hate to say it, but I mean, you really just have to separate them from their families for three months or four months, however long this season's supposed to last, you know? Uh, Otherwise that risk just goes up exponentially. Like you said, I mean, you forget that these baseball players are all, most of them are in their twenties still. So they have wives that are in their, you know, they want to go out and do things, you know, whether that's partying or just going out on the town and, you know, it's, it's just such a high risk situation. So I think if they are going to complete the season, they have to like basically lock down the players and just have no contact with anybody, but their teammates and the personnel. And that's it. And I'm sure it sounds all well and good to us to say, oh, you know, just, you know, stay, stay home. Yeah, Don't go out. Don't get, it's, only, it's only six months or whatever. But like you're saying, if you're famous, you're rich. And if you're single, I mean, can you imagine telling someone like that to stay home? I mean, you're a football player, so you're probably in amazing shape, right, physically. Um, you've got tons of money, and you're, and you're well-known and famous. I mean, I, I, as much as we may want to pretend that it's an easy thing to do, if you're in your young 20s as a man and you've got those options in front of you, that means that you've got options on women that are through the roof. And you're just not going to get guys to say, hey, just be celibate for the next six months, even though you could be have a bevy of gorgeous women. It just That just doesn't happen. And, you know, when Vic Fangio, who's the coach out here of the Broncos, he said, well, you know, guys are going to get urges. That is absolutely right. They are going to get urges and they're going to go out and, and they're going to do – they're going to commingle, you know, and – uh, they should probably just call the NFL season. They should just say, you know what, we're going to try one thing. We're going to push it to January, and hopefully there's a vaccine coming that we can, you know, that we can adjust things to. And uh, we're just going to have a whole bunch of sports happen at the same time in, in April and May. But 
I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to try and push this thing through. And, uh, you know, just it's spin the top. What's the first sport that has a fatality? And that'll be it. That'll mm. then the sport will end right then. Well, you know, Mark, yeah. uh, think about that real quick because you have a you know, Popovich last night wore a mask. D'Antoni with the Rockets last night in the bubble wore his mask. And they're all older coaches. You know, and, and, you know, where does that line get drawn where all of a sudden one of these older coaches, especially in football, uh, you have a lot of older coaches out there in football, uh, along with baseball, but, you yeah. know, the football stats are, you know, two twice as big plus their, uh, tra- you know, their practice, uh, uh, practice uh, players also, uh, and their training staffs are larger. You know, what happens if one of these, you know, high-ranking coaches does get sick and uh, does wind up in a hospital and something, you know, tragic does happen to him. Yeah. I mean, just, there's, there's just, it, it's going to happen at some point. And uh, yeah, I just, you know, and, and I, I, one thing I was going to ask you guys, cause I thought this was interesting is, you know, the, you don't have fans at the, at the thing. You know, he's got some cardboard cutouts in baseball. Um, I don't know what they're doing for hockey. I haven't seen any hockey games yet, but I did watch some of the opening games for NBA, like the Clippers versus the, um, the Lakers and also the Utah Jazz versus the Pelicans. And they had like this electronic fan seats like in the middle. And it was like basically people at home on their Zoom, right? And it was showing them yep. live in, you know, like, you know, and I thought that was a cool idea because it gave it some real life to it. But I will got to say, so in baseball, I haven't noticed there not being fans at all. I mean, other than it looks a little bit odd on a home run or something like that, I really don't, it doesn't make any, it does, I like, I, it, they pipe in the noise for the crowd. And I can't really tell a difference. I mean, it's just like it's a little sporadic. It doesn't quite sound the same. But I don't really miss the fans. But in basketball, hey, it, I miss the fans. Let me ask fans. you a quick question, Mark. Do you know if that is that crowd noise just piped in for viewers, or is their crowd noise actually in the stadium piped in too? In the in the stadium, yeah, it's coming out the stadium speakers. Okay, so there so they, they, they thought it would help the, the crowd. Yeah, they thought it would help the players feel more of like real world intensity kind of by having that. Yeah. Um, sure. And the sound sounds fine to me. And I don't even really know it because, you know, the fans uh, is a re it's a reactionary thing after the event kind of thing. And yeah, it's nice to see fans jump up and cheer, but you don't really need it in baseball, but in basketball, man, I really noticed it after a huge clutch three pointer, not having, you know, I mean, you can see the people on their bench, right. Cause they've got the bench all spread out, you know, um, with social distancing on their, on their, on their, on their, uh, folding chairs, uh, but just not seeing a whole crowd erupt on a big three, boy, it takes a lot of the magic out of a basketball game. It's it just me. Sure. It, it, it really, it, it, it really reduced does. the excitement. No, it definitely does. And you're right. They're, uh, they're electronically like, uh, they're basically zooming or they're tweeting or however they're doing it. Like, uh, they did for the NFL draft when, uh, when Goodell, um, basically announced the picks and they had their uh, local fans tweet in uh, reactions and so on and so forth. Now, hockey in the bubble, they covered up the seat and have uh, done a really good job of uh, um, getting uh, a lot of electronics and different, um, you know, uh, visuals going on in the stands and the seats covered up. Uh, you, you don't feel like you're in an empty arena, even though you're in a, in a you know, a, the, that's a 20,000 seat arena up in Toronto. Um, they did a really. I watched the exhibition games. They did a really good job with everything, um, with the video boards, the music. Uh, they had actual 
they're, you know, when the Flyers and Penguins played the first exhibition game on Tuesday, they actually had the uh, Flyers um, uh, sound bites and the, the, the Penguins sound bites. Uh, it, it keyed up for certain key moments of that. Uh, the NHL did a good job, and they're being quarantined in the hotels right around the arena, too. So, and they had zero positive tests actually going into the quarantine, into their, their hockey bubble or the Canadian bubble, if you mind. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, uh, you know, the, the hockey and basketball are doing absolutely, uh, you know, a great thing. And uh, for the guy that went to the strip joint to say he was getting food, I'm sorry, man. I've been to a lot of strip <laughs> joints. I, I, I don't know if I'm going to be coming out saying I was getting the food and, and I think I'm getting away with that comment. Uh, it's just like reading uh, Playboy for the articles, right? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. But uh, what, what's our final thoughts here on baseball? I know you guys are in fantasy leagues, and I know that must be hellacious right now. Hopefully there oh. isn't much money put in or money getting, or you getting money back. or you know, Just give everyone so we can wrap baseball up and go into the next couple. We're going to have uh, Nick from uh, Brothers Barbecue and uh, Nug's Ice Cream on telling us a little bit about when the pandemic hit and as sports stopped and basically the country stopped and uh, what he actually did down here in the community in Colorado. But uh, let's uh, let's get a little you know idea because I didn't do any kind of fantasy baseball this year. I had trouble with it last year. I, I got a auto terrible auto draft with some kids in New Orleans and Boston, and uh, had terrible teams. And I I didn't have much faith in it going all the way as it was, so I didn't actually get into it. But you, I know you guys did. Well, I'll just you give you a gonna... quick microcosm um, of the fantasy because. All it is, JP, is it's fantasy and all your worst nightmares exacerbated. You know, like, for example, I always, I I don't know why I focus on this so much, but it always seems like my opponent's pitchers win all the time. They may give up five (laughs) runs and go five innings, but they get the win. It is unbelievable. And then I'll have a guy that'll pitch seven innings, give up one run and lose. (laughs) <laughs> and that is happening to me more like it's just happening to me more than it used to or it seems to be anyway <laughs> and then you know you have guys like uh you know Chris, Christian Yelich who was an MVP you know has one hit and he was the number two pick in the draft for me you know and so you got yeah. your uh your number one guy that came off the board second with 0.25 points for the week you know, so that, that exacerbates things. And then, you know, I've got how many uh, Yankees, Marlins, Phillies, and Twins and Cardinals. I think that's my whole team. <laughs> so No, I, I feel your pain guys, there. I've, a ton of guys I've, I've got an, And, yeah, and I've just got one last thing on top of all that, on top of all that, my, my number one pitcher just is Justin Verlander. <laughs> so he's out for mostly out for the season. It looks like so. That's just been exactly what I expected. <laughs> yeah, I haven't. Uh, I don't know if I've had a single starting pitcher go five innings, even if they're pitching fantastically. They're like, oh, you know, sixty pitches, we're taking them out. And it's like, come on, guys, you got to be able to do a little bit more than that. But without a full spring training <laughs> to ramp up, they're they're keeping their innings super low. Um, same thing. I've, I've had a lot of players who have been in postponements either because of directly because of Corona or retroactive or, you know, because they played a team previously that had it or played a team that tested positive in this next weekend. Like 
there's an entire series this weekend that's been called off um, between uh, uh, I don't know if it's just the Marlins series, but I think I feel like there's another series that they they canceled it for the weekend, the, the, or at least canceled one or two days. Hey, Gizmo, and uh, yeah, so they're just like you're like, what's going on here? I mean, I, and I, I I know they have to be safe, but I thought the whole point of these taxi squads was that if you had a problem like this, you send everybody home for a quarantine period, and you bring up these minor leaguers who weren't around anybody. They were just in this other facility, and then you bring them all in to play so that you don't miss a beat like this. And so it's like, it's, it's, it's like they didn't really plan for it. This is the problem that they had with the baseball players and the union and the, and the owners not coming together, not agreeing on things, and that, you know, they really needed to do the bubble model. I, I, that's what we're seeing. The bubble model is going to be crucial if NFL expects to actually play. Because, I mean, fantasy baseball, we knew it was going to be trash this season. Uh, the league did not charge a fee to have it on their website on CBS, which was great. Uh, so there's no loss. Everything falls apart. You're just like, whatever. We cut the, you know, the, you know, you always put in money to give to the winner or the first and second and third place. We cut that amount way down, and we're just like, don't pay it now. Pay it at the end of the season if this thing even happens. You know, if nothing else, we were just looking forward to fantasy baseball to give us a distraction. Give me something to pay attention to. And even with all the chaos, even with my teams being hit with all this stuff, so my teams are going to lose both games this week that I'm in, it doesn't really matter. It still gives me something to pay attention to at the end of my work day. So I can done working for 10 <laughs> hours. I can look at something. And I, I know that's very selfish, and I, and I feel bad about that. But it is huge to have something to pay attention Some to. Some form you know? of entertainment. Something. <laughs> yeah, something. And something that's actually current and happening. Because otherwise... You can't watch news because all it is is talking about coronavirus, which we've already talked about to death. There's nothing to really even pay attention to with, with, with corona unless there's a vaccine, which is not going to happen that fast. So all you've got is just nothing because no one's doing anything. No one's working. No one's going out. Nothing's being produced. No shows. No movies are being made. So it was like finally something to pay attention to. And uh, it, it, it will be a huge, huge bummer if they have to shut the whole thing down. But honestly, with the way these things are cropping up, I, I don't see how we avoid it. So, do we want to do those uh, trivia questions before we uh, move yeah, on to Nick? Mark, that's a great segue into the trivia questions. I'm just going to say one more thing: if we do continue to play baseball and we do double headers, they are going to the minor league format of just seven innings a game. Just wanted to throw that out there. Real I did quick see and, that. Yeah, in case anyone yeah, saw that, they were. That, but that's, yeah, that's crazy. Price, that, smart, that's the minor yep. league thing. Minor, the, that's the minor league thing. The minor leagues always play double headers at seven games because of the bus travel and so on and so forth of where they might have to go. So, yeah, perfect segue into the trivia questions. Billy wasn't that far off. So how many days was it from the NBA and NHL? They shut down the same night on a Wednesday night um, till MLB's first pitch, Yankees and Nationals, uh, down in D.C. that actually got rained down after the fifth, fifth in a monsoon. <laughs> Uh, rainstorm, if you guys saw that. I did. Yeah, I so, think it yeah, was a little less than what Billy said. Probably like 125 I do know for sure that when I was watching something uh, the other day, oh, it was the NBA, with the, the game with LeBron. Uh, they said, okay, this is the first game in four months. So I was thinking, so you've got four months at uh, – so if there's four months – You've got 16 30 weeks, days. roughly, right? 
So seven times 16 is what, 70 plus 42, so 112. So but then baseball started probably a couple, a week or so earlier than that. So I'm going to say 103 days. I'll go 125. You got 125, Mark. I didn't hear what you said. I said 103. 103. Oh, 103. Okay. Well, you guys are in the ballpark. Um, it actually comes down to 133 days. Philly was, uh, uh, I think he was going off of um, opening, the opening of hockey would have been, well, that one took you to 143. But, Billy, you guys are all very close. Make no mistake about it. So, but, yeah, that was the first trivia. That's the longest we've gone without any sports in the last hundred years um, in America of all the four major sports. So the other trivia question is uh, what starting pitcher, and this is of all time, not current, um, has the most uh, opening day starts and how many? All right. So I want to ask one cheat question. And that is, is this pitcher post-1900? Yes. All data is my first guess. So my first guess, and then Nate, I'll let you go second if you don't mind. Um, but, and I, I, I don't know like a crazy guess or anything like that, but is it Nolan Ryan? <laughs> That's exactly who I was going to guess. <laughs> <laughs> Let me scroll down because I know he's on the, I'm pretty sure he's on this list somewhere, but that is not the answer. Um, and let me okay. scroll down. Actually, he's not really on this list. I thought he was at somewhere. I was no, just thinking not, because of how many years he played. Not a on lot. the list. <laughs> yeah. So he's not on the list. I'm going to give you. Okay. Um, I'm going to give you, you the, the, the two. Hold, hold the two on. Let me, let me make a guess. Let me make a guess yeah, before let, you let, give let me more hits. So, I'm, I mean, you're trying to think of guys that are pretty prestigious, you know, usually guys that you've heard of or, you know, opening day starters. And I think Mark was on the right track trying to think of pitchers that have long careers. You know, and I mean, Nolan Ryan, obviously one of the best pitchers ever. Um, you know, so I guess I think of guys like Roger Clemens. I think of guys like uh, actually Gaylord Perry, Jim Perry, uh, the Negro brothers who pitched for a long time. Um, yeah. You know, those are kind of guys that come to mind for me. So I guess if I had to make one guess at it, I think I would go Gaylord Perry just because I think that guy <laughs> pitched a long time. You know, he pitched a long time, but that is not the answer. Okay. Um, um, no, Gaylord Perry was a good guess. Um, let's see. So I'm guessing it's probably a little bit older pitchers, you know, when they went to, like, longer pitchers. Because I wanted to say – I wanted to honestly guess Greg Maddox. Cause I thought he probably had a lot of That's opening a day starts. But um, – oh. Let's go. That's a um, great guess. Or Tom Glavin. How about? Yeah. How about Walter Johnson? No, another great guess. And I'll I'll give you the number. He had 16 opening day starts. Oh, Nate, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to cheat and go again. Is is it Roger Clemens? That's really really close. He has 14. Was Uh, it Roy Holiday? Uh, no, no, no. Roger had 13 starts, so you're you're close on on Roger. Yeah, I mentioned the Rocket too. 68 to 68 to 86. 
Hmm. Um, Bob Gibson. So I don't. I don't think Ron. I don't think Randy Johnson pitched enough. Yeah, that's not a bad guess. Um, that's actually that's a really good guess. He's actually tied for second at fourteen. Bob Gibson is okay. No, 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 Randy Johnson. What about um? Oh, Randy, Randy Johnson. Johnson. Yep. Hmm. Six, so, well, it's not, yeah, 68. It's I mean, that Co- can't be Koufax. He didn't pitch long enough. Yeah, but JP said the time period was 68 to 86. So, oh, I'm I trying didn't hear to think that. Guys, okay. Yeah. So, Tom Seaver? You know, I, be, because of my uh, my baseball cards, I can kind of ga- you know gather, like, what pitchers pitched that era. Oh, was it, uh, you know, was it like Steve I said, Carlton? Yes. That's another good guess. He's Tom tied with, uh, he's tied with Randy Johnson. Is Tom Seaver up there? You hit it. 16 starts for the Seaver. He started his first one at age 23 with the uh, Mets. And his last one, um, Seaver was 41 and 86 with the White Sox. Yeah, wow. he was a rookie, I believe, in 68, so... Yep, he was a rookie. So, yep, Tom Seaver. That was an interesting one that I actually saw come across uh, yeah. a, a ticker on a couple of the sports shows I watch in the morning. Um, and they stumped a bunch of people, a bunch of baseball experts on that one, too. So, don't feel yeah, bad. He's, he I saw it, and that I, guy I, I really under, it. He definitely flies under the radar. You know, he's one of yeah, the best pitchers does. ever, but just not a lot of people really know who he is. Right, right. Definitely, definitely. He was never that really big, uh, big name. And we actually do, since we're making the transition out of baseball into the next phase here. Um, like I said, we're talking kind of the reopening of sports and everything and, you know, the pause of sports and then and the stoppage of play. And now we're getting reopened and we're filling out the two bubbles with the hockey and then um, basketball. And, uh, you know, we're looking at what the NFL and college football and the NC2A is doing. And, um <clears throat> And, and the NFL. And, uh, you know, we want to bring this kind of back to a little bit of reality of all of us, you know, in this pandemic. Uh, next on the show, we have Nick O'Sullivan. He's the owner of Brothers Barbecue and Nugs Ice Cream. I'm going to bring him on the show now, right now. Nick, welcome to the Sports Offensive. How are you doing this morning? Doing great. How are you guys doing? Uh, doing fantastic. fantastic. Thanks for coming on. You bet. No problem. So, yeah, so Nick, you know, we guys got a couple questions. Like I said, this is a kind of we haven't been on since uh, 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 Memorial Day weekend, the Saturday there. So we've been kind of waiting to get back into the groove of things here. Now, like I said, you, uh, owner of um, Brothers Barbecue and Nugs Ice Cream. Uh, so yep. basically, sports shut down and uh, the pandemic hit. You went into uh, tell us what just kind of went through. You were all kind of have been in the restaurant business and catering business. Me, personally, for 20 years, Nate, for practically the same time. Mark's been in and out left and right. You know, what yeah. when, when it hit, what went through your mind and what was your game plan? Um, I mean, for us, luckily, with, with, the, with Brothers Barbecue at our, at our regular locations, we're pretty much set up for something like this. And it wasn't because we had planned it. It's just dumb luck. You know, we, our first restaurant we opened back in 98, is about 900 square feet. So we depended on doing about, you know, 80 to 90% of our business from day one has been takeout. So 
you know, yep. we've got 23 years to figure out, you know, packaging, how to keep hot things hot, how to keep cold things cold. And luckily for us, barbecue travels well. You know, you get a couple pounds of meat and wrap it in foil, and you open it up an hour or two later, it's still just as good. Um, you know, if, if we were selling pasta or something that gets really soggy, I mean, obviously there's some menu items we have that don't travel too well, like, you know, like mac and cheese isn't that great after a while. Uh, French fries aren't that great after 20, 30 minutes. But, you know, the, our main proteins are all great, you know, an hour later. So, um, you know, that, that was that we had that going for us, just the fact that we had already kind of done that. We also already had established relationships with third-party delivery vendors. So, you know, Uber Eats, um, Grubhub, and um, uh, DoorDash, we already had accounts set up with them. We'd already kind of negotiated pretty good deals for ourselves in terms of the royalty fees and all that stuff. So we were kind of like ready, ready for all those things. We had the tablets and everything installed and we knew the protocols and you know, for us, it was just kind of, you know, shut down the dining rooms and just do what we do. Um, you know, the, the one part of our business that took the biggest hit was our catering business. You know, we normally do, you know, catering, especially in the summertime is, is our biggest moneymaker. So, you know, every wedding, you know, we had the, the amount, it was pretty heartbreaking the first few weeks, just like getting those inevitable calls and emails, like this event's canceled, this event's canceled, this event's canceled. But, you know, it was just, there was zero good news in that first first month, but luckily we we were uh, you know really busy with just the the regular takeout and and delivery service. So, you know, if you had told me four months ago that I'd be in the position I'm in now, I would have taken it. You know, so I'm 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 really blessed and really lucky that that you know we uh, we're in the position we're in. Definitely, and you know, Nick, uh, you were a friend of the former show I worked on, Lacrosse Talk Radio. Um, friend of that show and did some advertising or friend of this show. And, you know, I, I follow brothers barbecue. Uh, you came up with a plan to help out our essential frontline workers in the hospitals. Um, why don't you just bring a little bit of light to that, how you came up with it and uh, kind of what, what went through your head of how you could help? Yeah. I mean, for us, it was just kind of, you know, we've got, my brother's wife is in, um, she's a nurse. Um, my, my mother was a nurse. She's now retired. So we, we, you know, we got a pretty good connection with the the medical community, um, lots of friends and family members in that, in that world and just saw not only them, but also, you know, people that, you know, the, the police officers, the fire department, the grocery store workers, truckers. I mean, all the people that it, it was pretty, pretty amazing to see that the people that when, when things break down, who, who we, who's the real, you know, backbone of of our society who are the real pe- the real heroes out there uh the people that we kind of take for granted a lot of times you just assume that you know that when you go to the grocery store all those shelves are going to be stocked you know you never you never thought for a second that you'd go to a grocery store and there wouldn't be bread or there wouldn't be soup or there wouldn't be toilet paper or things that you just thought were just <clears throat> as if by magic were always were always there and stocked um so just things like that and what we ended up doing was kind of partnering up with um, the Fox morning show with Rick and, and Kathy over yep. there. And, um, you know, we've, we've done stuff with them for years and years since kind of we first opened and, um, you know, they just thought it was a great idea. So we got submissions through their show and for the first couple of months we were doing a daily donation. So we were just kind of randomly pick 
you know, places and people would send in their requests. And um, in that first few months, we donated about 3,000 meals. And, um, you know, just the overwhelming response that we got from the people that we were giving the meals to. But what we noticed, too, was really galvanized our team. You know, the, the employees that worked for us, I think, felt like, you know, we were doing more than just trying to, you know, grind out to make money. It was like, you know, we're, we're an integral part of, of, you know, keeping the, keeping everything, keeping the ball rolling, you know, and it, it was really great to see in the beginning of this thing, how, you know, a lot of people just kind of got together a lot of, you know, there was, there was definitely a sense of unity where people were pulling for each other and, you know, helping each other out. And it was a, a really good sense of community. Definitely. And if you go to the Brothers Barbecue, if you go to Brothers Barbecue on their um, on their Facebook page, you can uh, there are plenty of pictures out there of all the spots that uh, Brothers Barbecue and uh, they, they when they went and dropped off meals, they took pictures, uh, you know, of the workers. And so and you can tell this the uh, the happiness and joy that you brought uh, to everybody, um, you know, in those areas. So, you know, really want to thank you for that. And, uh, you know, we've opened up the indoor seating now, um, patio seating. Uh, we're seeing a spike in virus, coronavirus today. Uh, I know uh, being, in, being in the F&B business for 20-plus years, um, you know, I, I know you're trying to make a forecast for the next couple of months. You know, in the back of your head with what's going on and starting to spike up a little bit, you know, what kind of forecast are you guys trying to put, to, to put, to, put through as, you know, the next – couple months of a business model yeah i mean for us it's it's really just kind of take it a day day by day i think you know we we can try and forecast as much as we want but um a lot of times when you do that you know you just don't really know what's going to happen so for us it's just kind of do what we do best and that's you know provide great food and great service and that's kind of been our focus is is letting our guys know like hey we still need to focus on the details you know you still just because there's, you know, people are wearing masks and the seating's different and things are different. You, we still need to have things stocked. We still, you know, you can't be running out of, you know, we, we use this analogy all the time with our managers. It's like somebody could come in and get great service and get the best ribs they've ever had. And, you know, really enjoy the music that's playing and the, the sports that are on the TV and the place looks clean and everything. But they, when they get up to leave and they were out of toothpicks, that's the thing they're going to remember is that, you know, that rib joint didn't have any toothpicks. And so, you know, it's just those nitty, you know, we always say the devil's in the details. So it's just a day at a time, making sure that we're, you know, we've got everything, making sure that we, we don't forget to, you know, even though we're wearing masks, we're still smiling behind those masks and people can see it in your eyes, you know? And, yeah, uh, they can. So that's, that's kind of, kind of what, what our mindset is at this point. I mean, I, you know, you go crazy trying to think about what the, the ifs, ands, or buts type thing. I mean, if it goes back to um, just delivery or just curbside or no dine-in, I think we're pretty well set up for it. So if that's the case, then that's what we'll do. Um, you know, but we'll, we'll and, and you know, the, the one, the, the biggest fear, I guess, for us would be if they came in and said, all right, we just, we're basically shutting down all restaurants, but I mean, people do right. have to eat, so I don't, I don't see that happening. Right, right. No, well, you know, no, I, I think one of the things that you, know, you you brought up an important point about 
you know, you go to the grocery store and, and you suddenly see something's not stock, and it's not something we're used to in this country. Um, I mean, I know the first time that I went and saw the toilet paper gone, I was just flummoxed because I didn't understand why everybody was buying toilet paper. But uh, but then other things, you know, when the meat started to go a little bit thin for a while, uh, I've noticed lately milk has been a little bit thin. And so, you know, it, it, it is kind of a shock to the system. And I think the fact that we've been able to still do restaurant, you know, curbside or delivery have kind of taken a big part of the sting out because it makes it still feel like life is kind of normal. And uh, I'm just, I get just personally, I'm just thrilled the fact that the virus isn't something that's really transmitted, transmitted well through food, because if we had to cut down restaurants, you know, uh, food entirely, uh, I just think that would be kind of a, a major blow that would be hard for us to recover from. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. that um, Obviously they, they've kind of, I think they're still learning a lot about how this virus is transmitted. I think, you know, you're seeing the huge spikes where they were real lackadaisical in terms of social distancing and mask wearing. So I think that's pretty much proven science. And then when you see it's, you know, a lot of the the Southern states where, you know, this time of year, it's too hot to kind of hang out outside. So everybody's kind of crowded indoors. So I think, you know, having outdoor seating, I applaud, Denver for for quickly, you know, passing legislation where restaurants could kind of expand their patios. Um, I think that's been really cool. And and to to see that kind of European dining style where it's like, you know, just throw some tables and chairs out on the sidewalk and, you know, let people dine out fresco, you know. No, that's absolutely right. Actually, that's one of my favorite things of when I was over in Europe is how many places are like that where you just, are leisurely hanging out outside and then there's no rush to turn the tables. I mean, that's still a little bit different in America because, you know, of, of the reliance on tips for income for a lot of restaurant workers. But uh, yep. no, I think that's, that was a huge move to make just because, like I said, you just need to give people something a little bit normal. It's like we talked about how big it was for sports to come back, even if it's short lived because of what's kind of happening in, in major league baseball at least it just gave you something to pay attention to, something to make life feel even just a semblance of what it felt like before this whole craziness hit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, I, I remember like the first time going back out to eat, it was, I had been like dreaming about a steak and I walked into the Capitol grill and um, I hadn't made a reservation, but they were kind enough to like find a little table for me and my girlfriend and, and, um, it was just awesome to sit down and, and have a steak and and get served again, you know. I'd just been running and gunning and eating lots of barbecue, but I hadn't sat down for a meal in months, it felt like. And I guess it was months. <laughs> it was literally yeah, months. Yeah. But, um, well, it's yeah, also it was such a... like, you know, you, you, and, you know, it's like now I kind of think about, like, um, going to a going to a sporting event or going to a concert, it's like what's that going to be like? You know, it's, uh, I miss those things, and you know that, that's a big part of my life, and um, or at least that it was for a long time. It's you know, me and my brother had season tickets for the Broncos and the Avs, and um, you know, go to a ton of Nuggets games. You know, season tickets for for the um, for the Mammoths and and. Um, the outlaws and, you know, we do stuff with, with them for, with our business, you know, we sponsor both those teams and, you know, it's just kind of, it's been definitely a shift. And, um, and also, you know, I'm a big, big fan of just going to see live music and not, not, you know, 
it'll probably probably be until next year and now I'm trying to wrap my head around I have a, a daughter that's about to go into first grade and they postponed school until the middle of October and I got a feeling it's it, it won't be until after Christmas at the earliest and probably not until spring and in all reality I mean it feels like you you know when you go to the airport and they say that your flight's delayed 30 minutes and then it's an hour and then it's two hours and it's yeah, you know they, it's just I think that's the way they're doing it so people don't panic they're like oh we'll just push it back right. to October and then it'll be you know two weeks before that well we'll just push it back till January and uh, we'll just push it till March you know until they find a I really think until they find a either a really effective uh, treatment for the coronavirus or a vaccine, it, this is just kind of going to kind of be our reality. Hey, I think that's probably what we're looking at. I think you're absolutely right. I think they do do it in piecemeal like that to keep people from like, I think the last thing they wanted to really say to people back when this whole thing started and people were like, wait a minute, I got to stay home all day. And they, if people weren't used to it, we're kind of entitled in this country of being used to going out and doing what we like to do. I mean, that's a big part of living here is that, you know, you said you like concerts, you like, you know, sit-down restaurants, you like sporting events, whatever it is you enjoy doing, you don't want to see the same four walls every day. And I think that they knew that if they told everyone, look, we're probably looking at 12 to 18 months of sitting around as we try and figure this thing out, people wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't do so well. And we've seen how, how, uh, I guess uh, uncooperative a lot of people have been even just after a couple of months here of being locked down. (laughs) And I'm personally kind of an introvert. I mean, I I do like going out and doing things, but I, I, you know, for the most part at the beginning for me, it was not a big deal at all. I was like, well, I like to write. I like the podcast. I like to, you know, create websites and stuff like that. So it's like, I like to do a lot of stuff at home anyway. I'll be fine. But it's just the, the not seeing people every day, you start to lose kind of context of everything. And I think for me, yeah. that's what's been really hard is just remembering like, okay, you know, like, I mean, we're going to have a whole summer go by and won't really have done anything. And that's just going to be a really weird thing to be like, oh, it's winter again. And I never did anything since the last time it was winter. So I think that's yeah. kind of, uh, kind of going to throw everybody off a little bit, but you know, I, I, we will get back to normal. Weird. I mean, like, even I, if it's yeah, a new normal. Like the, you know, it, today I was like, oh, it's August 1st. It was just kind of a weird feeling. Like it doesn't feel like August still feels like it's springtime kind of in some weird way especially because there's like you know there's still basketball is is restarting and baseball's just kind of getting going it's like it's more like the spring than it does the end of the summer you know it's just kind of and and well that was like the like a lot of when everything shut down right so it's like yeah you're kind of like that when everything stopped in spring so it's like nothing it's going to feel like spring when everything whenever whenever everything actually gets going again I think you're right. I think everybody's going to be like, oh, isn't it still spring for 2020? Yeah. 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 And I think, yeah, it's it's going to kind of for school and stuff like that for, for people, for parents with, with kids in school, it's like, you know, what are they going to do? I guess they'll have to kind of, you know, they're, they're, they're going to try and do this homeschool stuff. And I was having trouble doing it with, with my daughter who last year was in kindergarten. It's like, Jesus, I can't imagine, like, if, if I had a high school student, because I wasn't the best student in the world, and if I was trying to teach algebra <laughs> or something to one of my kids, I would be totally lost. So hopefully for, you know, hopefully they, they, they've, they I think, you know, when they did it on the fly back in the, in March, it's a little different now. I think they've had some time to kind of hopefully get those uh, homeschooling practices more dialed in. 
for the for you know yeah, for, you for do, students. Yeah, you do worry for any of those advanced years where you really need to learn some things. How much are you really learning this way? I mean, I I did a couple of college courses online, uh, and this is back when I graduated. So I mean, this is you know I didn't graduate in 2006, so it's been quite a while since then. But online learning is not the same. You know, you're not you're not in the middle yeah. of it. You're not at risk of being called on for something and being exposed in front of people. I mean, if it's a video, you know, it's like eh, it's on a video. Who cares? It's a lot different when you're doing something live. It's just the same difference between people on message boards online will say vicious things they would never say in reality because they're just not the same. Right. And, uh, yep. you know, it's, 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 it's a weird difference to adjust to. I am pretty impressed with how many things are now online that I haven't seen any real degradation in Internet quality. And that kind of shocked me. I didn't realize we had that much bandwidth available. Um, for almost every single student and almost every single, I mean, every every office worker is working from home. I mean, it's just yeah. amazing that that think, actually works. You know, like, um, you know, I think I've, I've gotten so used to doing Zoom meetings and stuff like that that I think you're going to see a lot of a lot of uh, things are never going to bounce back the way they were. Like things like, you know, the amount of people that traveled for business. It's like, you know, people are going to mm-hmm. be so used to doing Zoom meetings. It's like, why would you fly 10 of your employees across the country and put them up in hotels and give them a per diem and spend, you know, there's a multi-billion dollar industry was business travel. And I don't think you're ever going to see it go back to that level. I, uh, you know, it's just, I think companies are going to go on. Oh, we can, you know, let our, let our employees work from home and be just as, as effective. You know, what, why would we spend, you know, a hundred thousand dollars a month on rent for office space? No, you're absolutely right. We, we've actually closed down our office and moved out of it and shut it down uh, because there was no reason to pay for it anymore. And so, yeah, big savings there. We just had a couple of our annual client you meetings. Think, you know, do you, our, think, our you'll, you think they'll reopen an office when, you know, when things go back? Um, or you'll, well, what they're going to be the new way I you operate? What, what they are going to do for us is we had more than one office in this, in this area and, and some recent acquisitions. So they're going to merge everyone into one office, but then it's not – Basically, no one's going to have their own office when everything. Once you can go back into offices, simp, you know, without worrying, um, it'll be more of a go online and say, "I need an office for Tuesday and Wednesday of next week," and you'll reserve one of the 25 offices or whatever it is in that building, and then you'll right. take your laptop with you. You'll plug it into the docking station, and you'll just work from there. And uh, yeah, you know, you probably have a locker where you'll have your own keyboard and mouse. Yeah. I also think but, like that. No, you're right. There's, you know the, the, the traditional nine to five thing, where it's like the the rat race of everybody like having to be the office at nine a.m. and five o'clock the whistle blows. It's like you know what? I think people are going to realize that you can space out your work over the course of the week and work more on mm-hmm. Saturdays or work more in the evenings or in the mornings and get stuff done from home and you know. Well, it's, we uh, found out that product productivity has skyrocketed. Um, actually at our company, which everyone was shocked. Everyone thought we'd have a big hit and being working from home. And now once you can go other places easily, that might change a little bit, but you're absolutely right. People would, you know, sometimes people would now be like, well, I don't really start until eight, but actually I'm, I'm already up. I already showered. I'm going to hop on at six thirty, So there's no one emailing me for an hour and a half. And in that hour and a half, you got more done than you would in a three hour period on a normal day from all the emails and, and messages that you would get. And so then all of a sudden you're yeah. like, well, I'm just going to take an hour and a half for lunch and take a nap in the middle of the day. 
And then, uh, you know, I stay for two hours, and I'm actually working a couple – I'm working for an hour after hours or on Saturday, like I said. And that's what we've been doing, and it's been working out really yeah. well. And I don't think any companies are going to go back to wanting to pay larger amounts for, for overhead. And the business travel thing does worry me because that's such a big part of the economy, a service industry. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, maybe national sales meetings will happen again because people will want the chance to get away. But I don't know. I mean, there's a, the, the whole going in front of your clients to do things, I think the Zoom meeting or the Teams meeting uh, avenue is, is probably going to win out. It's just, it's just too much yeah. easier. Yeah, and I think it, you know, it felt weird in the beginning, but I think now it, you know, we we just had our first in-person meeting as a company. We, um, you know, we're all sitting at our conference table wearing masks and meeting at our at our corporate headquarters, which is we we've kind of reopened that. If I can give that place a little plug over on um, West Colfax and Winona Street, we it was just strictly a catering facility, but we kind of reopened it as a grab and go. And, and um, also, you know, catering is starting. We're starting to see some catering stuff come back a little bit here and there. So we're, we're you know, we, we kind of pivoted our catering business to do a, um, like a brown bag type thing. So we can just do everything individually for warehouses and stuff like that, where we can just bring out, you know, a hundred bags of pre-made, you know, sandwiches, sides, drinks and stuff in a bag. And, the, you know, the, the employees can just grab it and go sit wherever they can socially distance and have their barbecued lunch without having to, you know, do like the buffet line, like we traditionally used to do where we just set everything up and people get in a big line and we serve people that way. Um, so, do you think, do you think you know, that's gone forever? Do you, do you think buffet style is gone? No, I, I don't think so. I think, I think it's gone for the next year. And, you know, I think, um, eventually people are going to want to get, you know, things like weddings and stuff like that, you know, where, where you know, a Zoom wedding wouldn't be very fun, you know, so. <laughs> well, but I guess I was thinking of, like, are you going to have to transition? Like, if, let's say, you know, you used to have, you know, 10 shapers with, with different, you know, food options. I wonder if, like, going, you know, like, going forward, we go to, like, sales meetings and stuff, if everything will be in a, a single-serve container with a lid. So that nothing. Yeah, I think, I think that, you know closed. that's an option that we're, we'll definitely keep on our menu, and I'm sure a lot of people will opt for that just because of convenience. You know, even if the coronavirus goes away, I think um, that's something that we'll continue to offer just because it's it is really convenient. You know, it's just everybody just grabs and goes. It it saves time. It saves you know labor. It saves. Um, you know, a lot of things and, and you're, you know, able to social distance. And I think a lot of people, you know, things, I think, you know, you're going to see changes just in everyday society, like, you know, shaking hands is going to be something that I think a lot of people are going to be wary of. Like, let's just bump elbows or, you know, we can just, right. we can just do a, a virtual high five, like, Hey, good to see you. You know, I don't feel the need to touch everybody. No, we, you know, we started, we started, we started doing the elbow shake when we were doing interviews uh, before we realized how bad this was going to get. And because I remember yeah. in our company, we were like, you know, and I mean, I, I, I'm not like a, a denier of any kind, but I was like, well, you know, I mean, it's a virus, it's a flu. I, I intentionally expose myself to colds and viruses and flus all the time because I wanted to make my immune system stronger. But then, um, you know, in a course of like two weeks of interviewing people, getting ready for a new program, it was like, oh, this isn't like other ones. This isn't one that you can just get in and not notice it. I mean, some people will, but you know, if you get it and get yeah, bad, you, you don't want to get this quick. 
Yeah. Yeah. So we don't start doing about that elbow shape. Yeah. Nobody really knows. I mean, the coronavirus is a really odd one. I mean, they, they're still, you know, they don't know if it's man-made. They don't know if it came from somebody eating a bat. I mean, you hear all these stories and it's like, who knows what the real truth is. Um, but it just, it seems to affect people in all, you know, millions of different ways. You know, some people, they die. Some people don't even know they have it and everything in between. So it's just kind of, you know, obviously they, they do know that if you're older and if you've got a compromised immune system, then it's, it's the chances of it being deadly or getting you really sick or greater as opposed to if you're young and, and healthy. So uh, right. I don't but know. Even then you still I, I know. Got, I, know I don't want to get it. Small chance. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't want I, to get I, it. I, I'm diabetic and I have asthma, so I don't want to get it. But it, it's weird yeah. to think like even if I were to get it, my odds of having symptoms are less than like seventy percent. But that doesn't change the fact that it's like, well, yeah, but I don't want to be that thirty percent who's staring at the ceiling of a of a hospital with a ventilator down my throat, uh, you know, no. trying to survive. So there's no reason to have to go through that. Um, before we forget, I, you know, GP has a, a question on here that I thought was a really good one, and it's about when uh, Polis uh, decided that, you know, because things were starting to spike again, uh, they did the cutoff of alcohol at 10 p.m., and I found that one really odd because I thought, well, if, if you cut it at 10 p.m., you're still giving people, you know, four to five hours that they could go hang yeah. out at the bar, so what have you really stopped? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of these things are arbitrary. I I and I read and I don't you know again you got to figure out what you're reading and you know don't check my sources because I don't know who they are but I read somewhere that <laughs> in New York the governor said um, you know that it, bars could reopen but they had to serve what he called significant food so like chicken wings weren't considered significant but a bowl of soup was and it's like I think a lot of it is just them guessing. And I think it's a dangerous thing to do because you're messing with people's livelihoods, you know, like, you know, we don't need to be, you know, and I can understand the 10 o'clock thing in terms of thinking, well, people that are continuing to drink, it's going to be, you know, anybody that's been drunk knows that, you know, you, you, uh, you're not necessarily, you know, thinking with a clear mind. So you may forget about Mm -hmm. that there is the coronavirus temporarily and, go over and get kind of and you know people tend to talk close to you when they're drunk and kind of get more touchy-feely type you know people you know social distancing kind of goes out the wayside so i can understand yeah what what he's thinking but at the same time it's kind of like you know what if what if you work until 10 like most people in the service industry and you just got done with your last shift and you you just want to go out and have a have a bite to eat and a beer and you're you're sober as a judge and you know, why is it, why is it okay for somebody that stops working at five, they, they get five hours to do it, you know? And so I think I would, you know, if, it, if I was the governor, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have passed that rule. Not all of us work in nine to five office jobs, you know? And that's a, wondered a lot. One of, yeah. I, one of the reasons I brought that up is because I do know some people that do get off at 10 now, and they wanted to go, you know, they didn't realize the first night when it was the 10 o'clock shutoff limit, and they wanted to go sit at the bar because we have a small bar right down, I live in the tech center, a small little bar right over here that relies on, you know, a little bit of a later night. Not, you know, they're, they're, they're sparser crowd, you know, they're, they're limited what the capacity now is, but, you know, they had 
a good crowd in there, and all of a sudden they had to basically shut everything down. And, you know, I friends yeah. got off the and they don't really have anything to do except go home there. Yeah, I think as long as you follow the protocols, it shouldn't matter what time of the night it is, you know. If you're if you're socially distancing people, I mean, if if it's if people come in that live together or they they you know spend time together and they want to sit down and have a meal together and drink together, I don't see why that's a problem. You know, I I think you know nightclubs and places where they you know they they pack a thousand people into a big warehouse and and everybody's you know rubbing shoulders is probably not the best move. But, a, you know, a chill little bar where people can sit and you can space them out and open up the doors and, and you know, sit people on a patio. I don't see why. That, I think that 10 o'clock hour doesn't make any sense for, you know, yeah, as long as, as, long as the, the people that run the business are doing it responsibly. It's like, you know, we don't need we don't need to be babied. You know, we're, we're adults here. You, we can. You know, you, you give us a set of rules to, to work by, we do our best to do it, and then, you you know, you've got bar owners and operators that spent a fortune putting up tents and outdoor seating and doing all this stuff, and now you're telling them they can't use it, so they're not even getting their investment back. You know, it's just, when you change the rules, I mean, the people, in the, people who are entrepreneurs and restaurant operators are pretty savvy and pretty creative type people, and if you give them a set of rules, they're like, okay, we can figure out a way to do this. And then to kind of pull the rug underneath and say, oh, now you can't serve out to 10, I think, is misguided. And I think yeah, the idea is I most think, of the day are like, we've really got to cut out the, the social gatherings because that's what's causing the spikes. But I think that uh, the other thought that went into it, and I, I, mean, I could be completely wrong, but I think the other thought was, well, if we don't allow some get-together areas and times, people are just going to start having these huge block parties that were starting to happen. And then you're getting 200 people, you know, all partying together nonstop instead of maybe, you know, four or five groups of 10. And I think that they were like, well, maybe it'll slow that stuff down so that it doesn't happen so much. But I think in the end, you're going to find out it's not going to make any difference. But, you know, it might just be that thing where you're saying we're just placate people a little bit to make them calm down a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's, you know, you've got to come up with a set of rules and at this point kind of stick to them because to constantly change change everything and constantly you know just kind of and 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 the crazy thing is too they'll the you know the the mayor and the governor will do it and it'll be like okay effective um and tomorrow this is the new rules and it's like you know it's you're 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 playing with livelihoods and you know the the crazy thing to me it's like you know they they were saying that pot stores and, and liquor stores are essential businesses but there's you know, like the 20th Street Cafe downtown that's been family-owned and operated for 70 years have to shut down. And they're not essential, yeah. you know? I mean, they're, it, it's like, you know, what? so, you know, in, in places where it's like, I don't know, I, I guess I'm rambling here, but, you know, it's... It, 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 obviously, well, that, 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 that stuff isn't really that about nobody could have predicted, so money. they're just kind of winging it a little bit. I think the 10 o'clock rule kind of came from um, the down the Lodo area, basically, and what was going on in downtown Denver, which really smacks the smaller businesses, like in the tech center and then the surrounding areas of Denver is really uh, what I think, because I've talked about, like I said, I have people that get off the tent. You know, you, you talk to those the people in the littler places that are losing that money that that other income later, even though they've gotten a job back, 
they're still not making that extra income that they would later at night. Yeah. Yeah. It's so the essential part on, on dispensaries and alcohol sales is because both of those pay a large amount of tax and with everything else shut down, they're not bringing in much revenue as a state. And so keeping pot and liquor stores open is a huge coffer filler uh, for the city and for the state. And so that's why those are yeah, essential. And the, the whole point not really because they're essential. I mean, it's, yeah, it's not supposed to be about money, right? It's supposed to be about health. And so if you're making decisions based on money, then just open everything back up. you know. But if you're ma- truly making it on these decisions based on trying to keep people healthy as possible, then just do it the smartest way you can. And that's what, you know, I think proven social distancing and wearing masks and, you know, you, you know, I think restaurants are better equipped than most businesses because we've, we've always, you know, maintained really clean environments and disinfected things. And, um, you know, you're constantly wiping down tables and disinfecting everything. So restaurants are pretty clean, you know, so it's, you know, at least people that operate them well, they keep a clean place. So, um, anyway, I guess that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> well, Nick, you know, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Let's, uh, let's let you plug your businesses. And then one final question you, you got to answer for us. When, um, when sports does, when they allow fans back into the sporting arenas, whether it's mile high or whether it's Pepsi center and so on and so forth, what's the one sport that you will have to go to? Um, you know, I think live, my favorite thing is getting a really good seat to an avalanche game. I mean, if you can sit down by the glass and watch a, watch a hockey game to me live, that's the best like spectator team sport there is. Um, I'm a big fan of motorcycle racing as well. And I go to Austin every year for the motorcycle Grand Prix. So I can't wait for that. 2021, they canceled this year's race. And obviously uh, Austin's a great place to go eat barbecue too. So I, I I make it a business trip, you know, and, the motorcycle race just happens to be there on that weekend. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I would say, uh, you know, if I could, for a team sport, if I can go see a hockey game, I would, that would be awesome. And um, if I can go to a motorcycle Grand Prix or a Formula One race, that'll be great. So I'm super excited for that. And if you want to check out our businesses, we're at brothers-bbq.com and nugsicecream.com. Um, Nugs Ice Cream is on East Colfax, Colfax and Fairfax, and um, there's seven metro area uh, Brothers Barbecues, and hopefully opening in 2020 um, in Fort Collins, where we're currently working on a, a new location up there in a 1957 gas station on the corner of Mulberry and South Taft Hill Road. Very cool, very cool. Well, Nick, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, you know, stay safe out there and uh, just keep doing what you're doing, man. Will do. I appreciate you guys. Thanks so much. All right. Have a good Thanks day. Thanks so much man. for coming on, Nick. You bet. And, have you know, if you're, uh, if you're uh, living up in my area here, up in uh, um, uh, Broomfield area, uh, there's one that's right on basically like 287 and uh, Midway. Uh, it's not the exact address, but it's, it's, right, it's right next to there. So there's another location right up here. Uh, if you happen to be in the area. So um, we got about uh, seven minutes. JP, any particular topic we want to hit for sports before the uh, time runs out? Uh, let me uh, pull up this. Obviously, we uh, we talked about it. Uh, hockey does return tonight and tomorrow. 
Um, we already have our East and West top four teams already set in stone. Like I said, hockey was very close to the end of the season when they shut it down. The East is Boston, Tampa, Washington, Philly. Um, so obviously Philly, Boston is our, our, our big draw tomorrow. Um, I will stop working at one to watch that game, then go back to work afterwards and probably work one of my days off to make up for it Monday or Tuesday. So, um, we do have that. Uh, you know, we, we've seen the NBA return. Honest, uh, you know, the, the Greek freak, Ante Nkupo, uh went off last night. He had a tomahawk dunk down the lane. I watched the game. He was eye level with the rim when he put that, slammed that ball in. It was, it was ridiculous to see. The Mavs did a great job back um, playing the Rockets. Took them that they led the most of the game, but the Rockets beat them in overtime. I think one of the funny things, not funny things to see is, you know, they're in the bubble, and if you know who Rachel Nichols is, she's a ESPN basketball reporter, host of The Jump. Um, she's a, a red-headed, you know, beautiful lady. Um, somewhere I think she's right in her late 30s. Uh, she had her mask on, a black dress, and she was literally wearing six-inch heels on the court last night as uh, she had one microphone in her hand, and there was a boom mic in the beard's uh, face uh, interviewing it after, the, after overtime. That was funny. So, you know, we're going to talk, you know, the MLB and the NHL uh, seems to be the working two bubbles. So let's talk about the NFL and college football real quick. I can give you some updates on college football really fast here because uh, they're coming fast and furious. The SEC decided to play a 10-game conference-only schedule, six division teams and four cross-rival divisions. Uh, the ACC is going to play 10 plus one to one non-conference. Notre Dame will join the ACC this year for one year right now because Notre Dame is the last or the only they are independent in football so they basically don't have a football schedule so they're going to play the ACC schedule they play the in the ACC in um, basketball and a lot of uh, their other sports um, so they're at 10 plus one we're going to lose some uh, really big um, ACC SEC rivalry South Carolina Clemson was played for 111 consecutive years Georgia Georgia Tech 95 consecutive years Florida, Florida State, 62 consecutive years. The Big Ten, the Pac-12, are going to play only conference games. They're probably going to start on the 26th of September. If they do start at all, um, the ACC is going to be starting around September 4th, 12th or 14th. Uh, the Big 12 is having a conference call on Monday the 3rd to decide on what their plan is to play, either only conference games or, you know, basically um, – conference plus one or, you know, so on and so forth. So it's a very fluid situation. We all know the Ivy League already canceled uh, their fall sports. And that brings us to the NFL real quick here to wrap the show up. Um, you know, we, we the Bills shut down their rookie camp because they had some positive tests. Um, you know, and, and like we talked about with Bill, you know, at the beginning of the show there, Mark, I know Nate had to mute and uh, he has a bunch of stuff he has to get done. Just, you know, like I, I have to start working right after the show here. Um, do you think the NFL can actually make it through a season? No way in hell, because too many of these players have kids, and when school starts up, it's going to spread like crazy. I mean, it's going to spread like crazy around kids. The younger the kids, yeah. the worse it's going to be. And, uh, you know, with how many people they're finding can catch corona multiple times, um, that just means that it's not going to like, we're not going to get a herd immunity because, you know, the thing isn't going to mutate enough that you can probably catch it again six weeks after you've had it. And so um, 
you know, I mean, you can have all these people that have it and don't know it, and they're like, oh, it doesn't affect me, and da 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 And uh, but then you know, we're also finding that some people that don't experience any symptoms at all, not a single cough, not a sneeze, uh, they're still getting scarring on their lungs or scarring on their heart or things yeah. or, or scarring in their liver. And these things could have major consequences, not just for regular people, but for exceptional athletes. That could be a big deal, and it may not even happen yep. this year. It may be four years from now, everyone who caught it is like, man, I have 27% less lung function. You know, it's like it's permanently gone. And all of a sudden it's like, I can't play professional sports anymore because I can't run like that anymore. And I just don't, you know, it's like I, I just I hope we're not going to end up sabotaging the next decade of sports because we're bored. And I am straight up telling you, I am bored and loving the fact that we have sports to watch. But I, I, right. I think about it a lot. Are we are we shooting ourselves in the foot? And we're going to be like, wow, that was really stupid. But you know, I mean, at some point you do have to say, you know, we got we, we have to keep we have to still live. But uh, I don't think that we need to say that after four months. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I don't no, know. No. I mean, I, uh, I, I a serious question for you. Uh, just real quick before we run out of time, why is no one signing Devontae Freeman? He's still a free agent. I mean, well, that's the, a really the, good... the, the, the Buccaneers just signed Shady McCoy? Why, they, they, why, can't, they, why is they, no one signing Devontae Freeman? I think Devontae had some know. injury issues that they weren't that sure about still. I guess. If I remember right, happily. I don't know. Um, real quick, what do you what what odds do you give the Avalanche to win the whole thing? I've heard that they've got they think that this might be as advantageous for them the way it's set up. Oh, it's definitely advantageous for them. Um, they are one of the hotter teams around. I mean, they had a they had a great they had a great run last year. Um, going through uh, what they did, uh, young team, great team. It depends if their goaltending holds up. You know, we're going to be playing in neutral arenas. Um, they're going to be playing in the same arena where they're not going to be seeing fans in the stands. They've got uh, everything part covered up with NHL logos and Bridgestone logos because Bridgestone's the, one of the official sponsors of the NHL. Um, so you have all that going on. Uh, the Avs have a great chance. I, I think hockey's, hockey's going to be interesting. I really like the pace of play. of the ex, They got one exhibition game, then they're going right in. Um, they had a great pace of play. And, uh, and you know, it's going to be whose goaltender gets hot. And that's usually the way it always is. But now, even more than ever, is whose goalie, after all this time, uh, all this layoff, uh, who gets hot in their bubble up there? And, uh, you know, and who stays healthy enough up in their bubble? So, you know, it's going to be an interesting end to uh, the NHL season. Like even Bill said, it, I think the NHL is going to be really exciting to watch. And, you know, the Stanley Cup is the Stanley Cup. And like I said, their season was almost over when they did end. So we have our play-in games for the final wild card spots, which wasn't decided yet. But they did it. They did it right. So they're going to have their play-in games to get those wild cards back. Now we're down to 10 seconds I, I, here. I, I, So do you have any final say, final say there? Um, you know what? Just uh, everybody stay healthy, and let's see if we can uh, keep sports on for a couple of weeks. <laughs> you know, I agree with you 100%. Everyone stay healthy out there. Our, our normal workers, our essential workers, our everyday heroes, our sports figures, keep everyone safe. And uh, have a great day. Have a great weekend, guys. And offensive 
ounce 